Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for shining on today. Are you living life out loud and wholeheartedly? If not, we've got a practical guide for that. Holly Bach wrote the book Life Incorporated. What does it take to live wholeheartedly? It involves a lot of risk, so it's not necessarily for the faint of heart. But, you you know, when you look at the top five regrets of the dying, that is the number one regret. I did live true to myself. So I am trying to make sure I cross that one off the list when it's all said and done. What brought you to this point? Well, I used to be a CEO of a leadership company that trained people in the art and skill of conversation, really finding a way for leaders and employees to create deep and meaningful connection with one another, because how teams operate really you know, impacts the bottom line quite a bit. But when I was out there on the road, having conversations and reading more and more articles, what I began to find is that not only do we struggle with getting out from behind technology and looking into someone's eyes and, and being vulnerable in that way and creating those strong connections, we also are really lacking the ability to do that with ourselves. We've come untethered, unanchored from ourselves. I think of it uh, as a tree. Uh, a lot of us, you know, are, are living with our roots um, up in the air, but don't necessarily know it. Uh, we just have these nerve endings exposed, and we're very reactive. So as I started to see that, and also see statistics uh, from last year that we as Americans are the most in-debt, medicated, obese and addicted than we've ever been, I began to put those two things together, thinking there must be some correlation here. Wow. Americans are at their highest level of debt, uh, medication, obesity, and what was the other one? Addiction. Addiction. That's right. God so bless we, America. We are, we're, yeah, and we're employing a lot of strategies, and it makes sense. I mean, with, with the uptime of technology and how we can order something and it'll be delivered sometimes the same day, we've become a quick-fix nation. So we are looking to resolve our issues that are really deep-seated working from the outside in. Like, right. if, I, if I take this pill, if I eat this, or if I do this and go for that, that really quick fix, then I'll feel better. Well, what we need to do is work from the inside out. So when you say people are very reactive, that's what you mean. They want the quick fix. That's right. We do. Okay. We've, we've become a nation of consumers, and, you know, we want it today. We want it now. So why not apply this to our own life? And fortunately, even technology and consumerism has its limits. And you said right away this isn't for the faint of heart. It involves its risks because my first reaction was someone who writes a practical guide to wholehearted living is a very brave person. And, and I'm kind of brave, but I don't think I could say I am living wholeheartedly all of the time. I don't believe in, you know, all or nothing. The, the intention of the book and, and the way in which I live my life and I encourage others is that it's a heck of a lot better than continuing to persist in a life that is stressing you out, that is creating difficulty in your relationships with others because you're so reactive. Uh, you don't feel great about yourself. You're, you're trying to find self-worth everywhere else but within you. It's a much better alternative and it isn't to say that you are quote-unquote on the horse, you know, 24-7, that's unrealistic. It's as unrealistic as trying to achieve this so-called fantasy of work-life balance, you know, but what we can do is we can be intentional about our lives and aware of when we are making a compromise. And it's just that awareness alone that puts a little sand in our shoes that, you know, while I may have a lot going on in other areas of my life, I'm going to get to that someday because at least I'm aware of it. I think a lot of us are just walking around blindly and a bit frantically 
honestly. So where do we begin, Hallie? Where do we start? How, what's the first step we could take right now today to lean into a more wholehearted life? Well, there's a, there's a few ground-level ways that we can do that. The first is to pick up a gratitude practice. And I know we hear about this a lot, but it really is, it, it is one of the key practices that everyone who describes themselves as happy and fulfilled says is part of their daily routine. And what this does, when we take the time each day to write down three to ten things that we are grateful for, including why we're grateful for, what the impact it's having on us, what it's delivering to us, then in an essence, it tunes us to positivity. Our radar starts to go up and those neural pathways, we can begin to shift from perhaps a negative bias, which I suffer from. I tend to look for the problem or the issue as opposed to what's working well. We can actually, within 21 days, change our neural pathways through the art of gratitude and being consistent with that. Pretty soon, we'll begin to notice what's working. We'll invite more of that into our life in conscious and subconscious ways and we'll just begin to see and notice what makes us you know happy and fulfilled more often so that's number one and the second is to pick up a mindfulness practice and this isn't to say that you need to spend 20 minutes on a cushion it could be a five-minute walking meditation uh, and really mindfulness is just an opportunity to be alert and aware of what's going on within you without over identifying with it. I think of Viktor Frankl's quote, very powerful quote. In it, he said, between the stimulus and response, there is a space. Therein lies your power. And I often think of mindfulness as that wedge that we can use to drive and create space between that stimulus so that instead of being reactive, Um, Again, being those nerve endings on the outside and just reacting, which usually gets us into a deeper hole or a negative place and and results in something we have to go and clean up now. When we check in and say, okay, hang on, what's going on in my inner life here? What's coming up? And objectively look at that and allow it the room to be so that then we can see it for what it is, yeah. um, which is just really a fleeting emotion. It's, it's typically a fear that's brought up by our limbic system, right, that's there to protect us, but is it necessarily needed right now? We can let that pass and then we can reground and respond. We're talking to Hallie Bach, Life Incorporated, a practical guide to wholehearted living is what we are discussing. And it's funny, I have to tell you, I'm training my husband because he's a fabulous guy, but he's very reactive. If he breaks a dish or spills something, this, you know, monster comes out. Oh, my God, out of this app. And then with my PTSD, that flips me out more than whatever it was that happened, you know? Absolutely, yeah. This week, he broke a wine glass and a mixing bowl. And, He's on a roll. And each time he said, oh, darn, gee, that broke. I'm so sorry. Let me clean it up. And then looked at me and said, how am I doing? And I'm like, Aww. yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing great because people, I know this is just one small you know, way people are reactive, but people have a tendency to be okay with you know, all that drama, and it's not good for your nervous system. 
No, it's not. It's not. In fact, you know, when I look out into the medical community, there's a phenomenon known as adrenal fatigue. Yeah. We are not only do we pour caffeine down our throats, or you know, a, a lot of us do, but living in that constant stress state where our daytimers are filled up back to back, and if something, anything goes wrong, which this is life, so it will. Uh, it doesn't know the script you've planned for it. You know, then our our cortisol levels go up, our adrenals kick in, and we begin to wear out all those systems, which can lead to some really long-term difficult health issues. You can look very fit, but be very unhealthy. Yeah. I take my mindfulness practice where I can find it, which is often stop signs and red lights. Nice. When I'm at a stop sign, I'm at a red light. That means take some deep breaths and get yourself back in your body. I want to ask you what your gratitude practice looks like. Every evening, I like to book in my day. So I begin my day with with mindfulness, just checking in. And and before I get out and open my computer, do anything. I do have kids, so sometimes they'll come in and interact with me before. But I try to ground myself in a little bit of mindfulness, just kind of, you know, see all the characters that are there and clear the stage again. Um, And also set some intentions. Uh, You know, what I'm looking for, what I'd like to create in the day, how I'd like my interactions with others to be, so that that becomes a bit of a North Star, and I can come back to that throughout the day as I get knocked off balance, which is going to happen. So that's how I start my day, and then I bookend my day in the evening with my gratitude practice. So I get out my notebook and write down 10 things that I am grateful for. You know, I'm grateful for blank because blank. And again, I, I... I think, you know, when you do 10, you have to go beyond the usual three. You know, I'm, right. I'm thankful my spouse cooked dinner. That's that's awesome. You know, but, but even with that, it's like, why? Because, you know, because it made me feel loved. It's like you start to really kind of get into what are all the things that are working for me and that I find I respond to. So 10 things every night. All right, where can we find more about you, your book, your practice? I'm sure you've got a great resource for us somewhere. Absolutely. So lifeincorporated.co, that's lifeincorporated.co. On the website as well are all the, the exercises that are within the book because it really is a practical guide. I'm going to take you through a lot of exercises so you can ground this and make it your own. Lifeincorporated.co, Holly Bach. That's H-A-L-L-E-Y-B-O-C. CK. I don't have a copy of this book, but you can start your practice on her website. It's a good one. Now, if you want a little me time before you jump into your hectic summer, join me and life coach Mary Ellen O'Brien for a one-day retreat in Cold Spring, June 11th. Mary Ellen actually made a house call to coach me the other day, but she sees people everywhere. I have a lot of clients over Skype, and really it's working with people who just have this sense that something's missing and have a sense that they know it's possible to be more fully alive. If you know it's possible to live better, join us June 11th. Get more information at caseyradio.com. So, we're going into the doghouse now. When I think of men in the doghouse, men who cheat, I hate to say it, but a couple of celebrities come to mind, like Hugh Grant and a former president. I hope for you that you can only think of strangers too, but if this terrible betrayal has happened to you, this man may be able to help. Robert Weiss wrote Out of the Doghouse, a step-by-step relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating. Robert says underneath the hurt and betrayal, he knows there is often still love. I've spent the last maybe 25 years working with unfaithful couples. That's been the focus of my career. And so... uh, 
if you work with unfaithful couples long enough, you begin to see some of the patterns that they all experience when trying to heal their relationships, and they're pretty common. And I just see the pitfalls in how men try to heal their broken relationships with women. And mainly that's because they don't understand what women are going through when they get betrayed. And I thought, you know, maybe if guys got a chance to look at what actually happens when a woman experiences betrayal, he might approach it a little differently than candy and flowers. Right. But this is the book that no man wants his wife to see him read. (laughs) That is correct. Well, this is the book that no man wants to read. (laughs) Period. No man wants to see that he's got to apologize, that he's got to be one down, that he's got to own his stuff, that he's got to have some integrity. You know, he's got to clean up the mess he's made. And uh, no guy's going to read this book. I mean, no man buy self-help books. Women buy self-help books. So I've done a challenging thing. I've written a book for men that women need to buy because they're so pissed at their man that they're going to throw it at him and say, you read this and you get this and then we'll talk about staying together. You know, can they stay together? What what are the odds? Oh, I absolutely think so. I mean, one of the, in fact, one of the things that I understand more and more as I get older is how much couples have to have to go on and go with other than fidelity, you know, and yes, there's been a lie and yes, betrayal of trust is the profound pain that the woman experiences, but there is growth and future beyond that, and I think, in part, our culture makes it very easy to say to a woman, oh, get rid of that guy, he's not treating you well, or whatever, but, you know, the person is saying that to her, does that person have to break up their family, does that person have to give up everything that's important to them? You know, it's very easy to say, oh, God, she's got to get out of there, but in reality, I think people, unless you're really with a bad person, there's a lot of room for growth. Wow, unless you're really with a bad person, there's a lot of room for growth. Man, it's painful, though. So, talk Talk to the men and the women, I guess, who need to know this information. What's the first thing the guy... No, let me put it this way. What's the number one thing the guy shouldn't do after this is I'm so glad you asked the best question ever. So the one thing that a man... The worst thing that a guy who's trying to heal his relationship after cheating should do with his woman, and you can see this right in the doghouse, is uh, to blame her. So it's not unusual for a man who is trying to get out of his consequences for his bad behavior, which is lying. That's the bad behavior to uh, say to his spouse, well, you know, if you were just been thinner, and, you know, if we just had more time together, and, you know, and she gets this very direct message that, well, I wouldn't have done this if you had been X, Y, Z. And that's what, not only the least effective way to heal a relationship, it's also the cruelest thing you can do, because that woman is already thinking, well, maybe, you know, there was something about, uh, I mean, she can't help it. And who wouldn't? And he's just basically blaming the victim. So that's the worst thing you can do. I, I would say next to that, you know, candy, flowers, uh, well, let me skip on that. Those aren't helpful. But um, saying to someone you've cheated on, um, you know, are you going to get over this? Or could you stop nagging me? Or, you know, it's been a month or two. When are you going to be friendlier to me? Not a good move. Mm. Uh, Healing infidelity in couples can take a year, year and a half. And even then, a relationship will never be the same. So for a guy to say, well, kind of, you know, it was just this or it was just that or it didn't really mean anything to me or not helpful. (laughs) Right. Not helpful. Shut up. Shut up, mister. We're talking to Robert Weiss, a therapist who wrote Out of the Doghouse. You know, it's funny you mentioned candy and flowers, of course. We actually have a term in my house called doghouse flowers. Like, don't bring me flowers when you're in the doghouse because I'm not going to like looking at them. They're just going to remind me of whatever you did to get in the doghouse in the first place. I'm so, again, I'm so glad you said that because that is the purpose of using the metaphor of the doghouse. You know, I say to guys, look, you know, I have a puppy and when she pees in the house, I mean, she has dirtied our home and she doesn't get her fancy pillows and yummy food and pets on the head. She gets sent out to the doghouse. And that means she no longer has the same privileges because she's done something bad to our home. And that's what you have done. And being in the doghouse means you are 
you have some humility, you have some empathy, you have some compassion, and most of all, you're not as focused on when this person is going to forgive you, but more focused on what they're going through. Right, more focused on what they're going through because they're yes. hurting. They are for a long hurting. time. Yeah, for Part a long time. Part of the problem time. is, you know, and, and honestly, this is just a reality. Men don't really think in the same way as women. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Oh, you yeah, know. I know. <laughs> and, you know, so when we think about casual sex, for example, we might think something like, oh, that looks good to me. And, oh, well, you know, she won't know, so it won't be any big deal. And, but, and that may be or may not be true. But if he gets home and she finds out, she is going to say things like, I thought you loved me. What about our relationship? What about our friends? What about our family? What about our kids? Everything. And he's like, and yeah, he's, right. I love all that. And he's going to say, yeah, he's going to say, well, I, I just got a, I just had a lap dance in Vegas. It wasn't like it had anything to do with our family. So there, there lies the difference in the healing, because he's coming at it from, oh, I made it one little mistake in this area, but everything else is fine. She's looking at it like our entire life has been destroyed, and somewhere in the middle is the the the, the path that they need to find together to heal. And that is it in a nutshell. They've been coming at it from two different angles. Out of the Doghouse, that is the book, a a relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating. Talk to the wives who are listening right now who maybe have found themselves in this position. I have tremendous empathy for women who have been cheated on because I work with them so many. And, you know, when you see one man or one couple or two or a friend and you just think, well, you know, they each had a part or whatever. But when you see hundreds as I have of cheating couples, you really get that. This is the number one thing I consider a woman has been cheated. And I hope you put this on a billboard. There is nothing that you can do as a woman to cause a man to cheat on you. You can get fat. You can get ugly. You can grow a hooked nose with warts. You can fart all the time and hate your kids. And that man can divorce you. Or he can get marriage counseling. Or he can start doing some service for poor kids. Or he can take up golf. There are a lot of things you can do that seems to me that, that, that men sort of assume that, well, I'm unhappy or disappointed in my marriage. So the thing to do is cheat as opposed to so many other choices that could be made. Right. So the number one I think I want to say to every woman, and she won't fully believe me because this is unfortunately part of being a woman, is seeing things holistically, but she will think there must have been something I could do to make this not happen. And the reality is he could have danced on the head of a pin, and he was going to do what he wanted to do. So don't take responsibility for his cheating, and don't let him put it on you. Are there any celebrity couples that you wish you could talk to? <laughs> you know, I just think... Of Hillary Clinton. Yes, you think Hillary Clinton? A lot of us think Hillary Clinton these days. How can I help you? (laughs) (laughs) I just think with her relationship, that was very public. Yes, I was uh, quoted in uh, Newsweek in the 90s talking about Bill Clinton because I work with unfaithful couples. So even then I was getting phone calls. And what did you say? Well, I, I also work in sex addiction and compulsive and problematic sexual behavior. So I understand very well. Um, when a man is repeatedly acting out sexually, that that is not an intellectual decision. And, uh, you know, I I agree with not leaving. I think that there are often reasons to stay, most often. And I would say that probably 80% of the couples I work with or closer to 85 do stay together despite profound infidelity. And the reason is they have so much more going together as a couple. But I guess in that situation, what I would have said is probably calling in, you know, the Reverend Jesse Jackson and Tony Robbins is really, really are not the people who are going to resolve a psychological problem. And that's, as I recall, that's who our friend Bill invited in to get help from. And, uh, you know, that was probably the best he could do at the moment. But I do think that you have to realize that if you're doing this and you are a reasonably smart person, but you're out there constantly creating situations around sex that are a problem, then you have a problem. And uh, it's something you need to take a look at. It isn't just about being a guy. All right, Robert Weiss. Yeah, or a woman, exactly. You are a smart man, and I want to know when you're going to write more books. 
Well, I need to see if if there is a market for books about men who cheat, and then I, you know, I, you know, the question I'm getting now, which is, where's the book for the women who cheat? Right. <laughs> and I want you to know. And then they then they ask me, well, how come we talk about cheating in men so much more often? And the reason is number one, men aren't looking for their women to cheat in the ways that women often are suspicious of us. You guys worry about us far more than we worry about you. And the other thing is, we're not so, we're not as good as we think we are at it. You know, inevitably, when I have a guy who's been found out cheating in his marriage or relationship, and he'll say to me, you know, I think my girlfriend or my wife, she's like a witch. I'm like, what do you mean, a witch? And he'll say, well, you know, four days out of five, I don't have sex, I don't do anything, but the day I go out there and do something with someone, darn if she doesn't say, what's going on today? And it's like she pulls it out of the air. And I say to him, dude, you're not that good, a liar. Like, <laughs> it's not that she's mystical, you're just not that good. I think guys think they can pull this off. And somehow they were going to be invisible. And that's, you know, not really true. Oh, we know stuff, Robert Weiss. Out of the Doghouse is his book. I have a copy if you need it. Email caseyradio at gmail.com. Come right back for our thought for today. Do you want to know what you can do right now to improve your life? First, start thinking about what's right, not what's wrong. Whatever you focus on expands, so focus on the good stuff. Second, Before bed, think of five successful things you've done that day, no matter how minor they might seem. Third, forgive yourself. We all make mistakes. Acknowledge any errors and move on. Four, make at least one decision based on how it makes you feel. Most of us have learned to tune out our intuition and focus only on the rational mind. Your feelings often lead you in the best direction. Fifth, act as if you're living the life you want with conviction and certainty. Live as if everything is all right. You'll be amazed at how life shifts to accommodate this new view. Six, speak well of other people, especially the prosperous, healthy, and beautiful. Don't gossip or complain. Your words have more power than you know, so be kind. You'll see the benefits almost immediately. And finally, let someone do something for you. You know how good it feels to be thanked for something you've done. Give someone else the chance. Just say thank you and mean it. Follow these simple guidelines and I promise your life will begin to improve right now. You can find out more about improving your life or developing certain skills by visiting www.liveandlearnguides.com. Have alcohol or drug dependence made your life or the life of someone you love unmanageable? For more than 100 years, St. Christopher's Inn has been the place where men in crisis find hope. Located in Garrison, New York, St. Christopher's Inn is a residential shelter and substance abuse treatment center where no man is turned away because of race, religion, or ability to pay. If you or someone you you know needs to find a way out of addiction, call us at 800-424-0027 or visit our website at stchristophersin.org. Hi, this is Karen Storstein, the Psychic Psychotherapist. Have you met the love of your life? If not, you will when you believe it's possible and expend the energy to actualize it, feel stable and secure and do not look to be saved, take care of yourself first, you will find the love of your life when you come from a place of fulfillment and know that only you can feed you. When you understand, forgive, and embrace your past and see people for who they are rather than for who you want them to be, you will find the love of your life when you get out of the relationship you're already in, physically and emotionally, and when you're clear about what you want and what you don't want. The key is like attracts like, so be the person you're looking for so the person you're looking for will find you. To learn more, visit my website at karensinsight.com. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on, and thank you for listening to the podcasts. I just found out that the Shine On link 
WHUD.com is one of the most used links on the whole website. Fabulous. You can also visit KCRadio.com to find my blog and things like that. Thank you. And today's thought for the day is from FitBottomZen.com. Stop waiting for Friday, for summer, for someone to fall in love with. Happiness is achieved when you stop waiting for it and make the most of the moment you are in now. Go. Have a nice moment. See you next week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning from 100.7 WHUD.